What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Prospects 40 to 21 here on the call up. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we have two more episodes now flying through this top 100 update here. And first, before we get into that, before we start with Brady House of the Washington Nationals, real quick, let's talk about Kyle Harrison's debut, which I thought was encouraging in a lot of ways, unique in a lot of ways. Um, he ends up, I would say, I don't know, where would you put it, Jack, in terms of like what your expectations were and what he ended up doing in that start? I thought it was kind of an elevated version of the Kyle Harrison experience as he goes three and a third, punches out five, only walks one, hits one batter, and gives up two earned runs and five hits. Yeah, so the two earned runs came on one swing. It was Bryce Harper with the two run homer. Like, yeah, like that's going to okay. happen. Yeah, okay. Welcome to the big leagues. Left on left nuke job from Bryce. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we were a bit skewed because our expectations were a lot lower than maybe some other Giants fans. And I think that other Giants fans with higher expectations might have said, oh, that could have been more of a tightrope act than I was expecting. I was expecting good things. But, you know, we were expecting the tightrope act of all tightrope acts. And, you know, maybe he doesn't even get through the third. But the fact that he pitched into the fourth and threw 65 pitches, I, I think I left more encouraged than mm-hmm. what I was expecting to feel. A hundred percent. I was going to say I, I, I thought he looked pretty poised, uh, you know, had the bases loaded. You know, And again, like facing a lineup, I mean, these are all guys. You, you got to look at the human aspect. This lineup is loaded with guys that, that Kyle Harrison – grew up watching you know and not only are you in a jam you're in a jam against a, a guy you grew up watching you're in a, in jam. a, and I know a that's wild card race in a wild card like and i know a lot of you could say that about a lot of guys but usually it's an oakland a starter you know like kyle moeller is getting his debut against the yankees at home sure like and i know that's not who he debuted against but like sure okay i get it but there's something about like i'm looking 
you know, Nick Cassianos in the eyes with the bases loaded in a wild card race in a big game here on the road. And and I thought that Harrison was incredibly poised. I, I think you could see how – and that's a big reason why they called him up. Uh, he did throw one changeup in there, unless there was another one that I missed. And it was actually a good changeup. So if that is there, man, that changes a lot. Um, what we saw is that that fastball is going to play. And, I mean, the one thing that stood out to me above all is that that fastball got guys looking – yeah. Almost as much as it got guys swinging, maybe more. And it just shows you how much life and jump and and hard, like how hard it is to pick it up out of that release point. I mean, you got Bohm just watching it go like, you know, middle inside and just strike three. You had Castellanos just watching one go right through. And they're like, you could tell that it was a unique fastball. Would they adjust, you know, third time through the lineup? Maybe. And that's why he got cut off at three and a third. The only other thing that was really weird to me is that lefties – I think we're like five for five off of him huh. and righties were, were oh for whatever, which is a bizarre, bizarre split. Um, and, and I think also is a unique aspect of maybe he needs that freaking slider that he scrapped and you know, the sweeper that he scrapped for a harder slider that he's not trusting because lefties were, were fighting for their lives last year against his sweeper. Yeah, it, it was Pretty much fastball only against lefties, I assume, right? Or yeah. it's, you know, fastball. He mixed in the slider, and, and I think that was the pitch that Bryce Harper hit out. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, it's more of a cutter than it is a slider. So, like, you know, you're seeing two different iterations of a fastball right now, and, and Harper can, you know, sit on that in the low to mid-90s. And, you know, like any big leaguer, if you say, okay, you're going to get some sort of pitch in the low to mid-90s, they're going to be able to do something with that. Yeah. So how do you deviate? And, and I think the answer in lefty-lefty is with that sweeper, um, and lefty righty, it's that change up. So I've got questions on whether he can get through an entire second time through or, or even pitch into the third time through. Um, but yesterday, decent enough. Real quick, this guy does have rookie status. He wasn't a prospect by any stretch. Um, Kyle Harrison went three and a third. Ryan Walker got him through the fifth. Ryan Walker has been swingman extraordinaire for San Francisco. And again, mm-hmm. this guy, not a prospect, 27 year old rookie. But he's sporting a two one five in like forty six innings. Ryan Walker delivery, yeah, funky delivery, and it's been good, man. Ryan Walker, he's not a starter, but this guy's a good rookie, and I feel like a podcast called the Call Up should talk about that. Yeah, I think he just had a kid too, so congratulations to him. Um, I think that there's some version of a, a, a Harrison Walker, maybe Harrison and one other guy piggyback, where it's just uncomfortable at bats. You got a left-handed release coming from you know this way to the side over here, and then you got a right-handed release coming from way to the side over here, and and I think that could be a really good piggyback because Harrison's probably going to be a four or five or dive, and if you do that, I think you're going to set him up for a decent amount of success here, and then you piggyback Walker, who's been awesome. There you go, you're through six. Yeah. Now you can hand it off to the bullpen. So I think this is an interesting spot, and I think Harrison can help them, and and I agree. I think Walker, you know, is. Is, is been a really nice little wrinkle for this Giants team. Yeah. Let's jump into it. Let's start with Brady House, who you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear this one. And, and this is a <laughs> this is the I want to use like the corny example. But in the baseball version, you never know what somebody's going through, Jack. Mm-hmm. You never know. And Brady House, I watched last year. And I just it was I just didn't like the swing. I thought it was a little bit slow. Uh, there was too many ground balls. And turns out Brady House was hurt. 
like quite hurt and playing through multiple injuries. And you never know what somebody's going through. Um, it's interesting because that put me off of a 19 year old. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, again, like you learn through the way that you, you know, kind of assess a player and then maybe go wrong about it. And I think this was a really cool learning opportunity for myself because it was like, he's young. I saw a big kid in an organization that does not touch hitters. And I'm like, oh man, like, where's this guy going to go? His swing's far off and it's not going to get there. And then he gets healthy. I catch him on the backfields before this year. And it looks a lot better. And then I start watching as the year goes on and it looks better and better and better. The EVs are up. The bat to ball is way better than anybody thought it would be. And all of a sudden he looks like one of the top 50 prospects in the game. Yeah. Well, it was crazy. You know, we were at the futures game and right after batting practice, you walked up and and you said, I think Brady house might be the number two prospect in baseball. And I said, let's cool it a little bit. Let, <laughs> let's, you know, let's make sure we don't, we don't do something that drastic, but um, no, man, like I, obviously he kind of stole the show during BP there. He hit some upper deck shots, but I, I think people saw a healthy Brady house at that point. And you've been watching him from the backfield throughout the entirety of this year. And, He's already climbed to double A at this point. And Brady House, 36 games in low A, 16 in high A, 21 with double A Harrisburg. He's slashing 311, 373, 481. That's a mid 800s OPS. At 853, he's swiping enough bags. The, the thing that jumps out to me, you said the swing is a little slow. He's not striking out as much. Like that's very no. helpful for a guy that has 300 capabilities and he's a big kid and he's got 65 raw power. If you're not striking out that much, I, I really have faith in you developing as a hitter. No, he looks quick. Honestly, now the bat speed's been impressive, and it's it's low effort. Like, he starts – it's a timing mechanism that I also generally would hate. It's, it's like a bat waggle, and yeah. he just starts with this, like, really small waggle, and there's not much load from there. It's just waggle and go, and honestly, it's worked for him. He's so strong that he can kind of just swing – from his like his launch position can pretty much be his stance. He swings and he puts up big time EVs, man. It, it gives you a lot of a lot of contact because he's consistently on time. That's the one side of it is he's already in a slot. Um, 107 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity is great. Uh, great. The contact rates are average. Chase rates high, and that's kind of going to come with the territory. Hopefully, he can cut that down. He just turned 20 years old and he's already in double, as you mentioned. But I want to see it translate into more game power. That's the one thing is he's got nine home runs so far this season. The ground ball rate's a little elevated. It's a lot of really hard line drives. I want to see this guy lift because as you mentioned, like BP was insane. Like he put on an absolute show. It was him and Yankiel Fernandez. Like that's the kind of power we're talking about here. Yet he doesn't totally allow himself to get into it in games with his moves because it's so, you know, two-legged and simple where it's just hands here, throw hands. Shows you how strong he is at 6'3", 215, 220. But I need a little bit more leverage in that swing because you're going to be playing third base. You're not going to hit 300 at the highest level. You need to hit for power. You need to walk a little bit. So it's an unfinished profile, but really encouraging season so far. And a lot of really good things to see. I think a max of 113, like the power is there. Just lift the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Number 39, guy that's basically a big leaguer that we rank. 
but I think there's a fun wrinkle in this that we can talk about. Jordan Westberg, haven't listed as a shortstop with the Orioles, but he's really been playing second and third. He's capable at shortstop. I think if he gets traded, he'd get a look at shortstop. Um, I have bats left. I need to update that. He bats right. Uh, I love this guy ever since I saw him on the Cape. And, you know, he he's just a gamer. And it's, it's 50s to 55s across the board. He's actually a plus runner, and I think that was the most underrated aspect of his game um, because it didn't translate into, into stolen bases. But it's average hit, above average power that he gets into. It's plus speed, and it's above average defense. And, you know, we're seeing this guy help the best team in the American League right now. Uh, and, and I think it says a lot that he's up there and Joey Ortiz is not because I think in batted ball data, Ortiz is better. Glove, Ortiz is better. But when you look at the ability to grind out at bats, the ability to contribute at the big league level right now, Westberg is a more complete product, and that's what we're seeing. So long-term, Ortiz may wind up being the better player if he gets the opportunity, but also Westberg is a year and change younger and um, is, is a higher floor bat. So it's an interesting comparison here. Um and and the question I got on the verge as I just went on, you know, that Orioles podcast was, you know, who would you stick with the rest of the way, like going into next year, you know, if you had to move one? And it, and it's a really tough question. It is a tough question. Um, you say grind out at bats. What, what's impressive is he's doing that, and he's he's developed that identity without walking much at all. Seven walks and 149 plate appearances. So like he's not walking, but he's still working deep and he just seems like a little bit more of an advanced hitter while Joey Ortiz seems like more of a toolsy hitter and I think at this point when they're trying to go win a world series when they're ahead of schedule I I think you go with the advanced hitter now if they were in a different situation and they were a 500 team and they were on the outside looking into the wild card situation I probably side with giving Ortiz a shot on an everyday basis but based on the situation I think Westberg is the right guy to be playing for them yeah, I mean, to only be striking out 23% of the time, mind you, like that's that was his minor league career average. It actually, I think his minor league career average was higher than that. Yeah. So it just kind of shows you how how adjustable he is and how he's able to kind of just figure it out at each stop. I mean, you look at what he's done in 2021 in double A, it was a 104 WRC plus. Then he starts over again there in 2022, 47 games, 122 WRC plus. They bump him up to AAA, 129 WRC plus. Then in AAA this year, 129 WRC plus. They bring him up to the big leagues, and so far this year, he has a 93 WRC plus. But he's doing that while playing great defense. And and again, like he really sees a lot of pitches in his at bats. Like he he's a guy that's just gonna make you work, and he doesn't give them away. If he could walk, I think that'd make a huge difference, right? Because we're looking at a guy that's and it's a tough ballpark for a, a young righty who does like to pull a little bit, uh, but. You'll get a 410 slug, 302 on base. If he was getting on base, he's hitting 266. If he was getting on base at a 320, 330 clip, you know, that WRC plus is up in the 105, 110 range. And we're talking about, you know, a, a rookie that's really, really, really performing. But I think he's been awesome so far. And and I think for who, how, like, I think you hit the nail on the head. He can help them more right now. But in terms of who might be the better war guy in a full season, I think it's Ortiz if you can give him enough time in, uh, at, at shortstop, and hopefully he gets an opportunity either there or somewhere else soon. Yeah. Number 38. I know this is a guy that you saw a little bit of before he got called up, and he has been awesome 
so far for the Milwaukee Brewers. Sal Freelich, outfielder, big leagues with Milwaukee. I mean, he's been every – talk about grinding at bats. This is a different level of grinding at bats. This guy's been everything that you could have wanted and imagined out of him at the big league level so far. 26 games, 123 WRC+, walking a ton, which is insane, like 18% walk rate, uh, doesn't strike out, and he's even snuck out three homers. He's an elite runner. He's a good defender. Uh, it's elite bat to ball. This dude rocks. <laughs> like He's just an awesome and fun player and a big reason why Milwaukee has had this second life here uh, in the second half. Yeah, so uh, one punch out in his last five games. Huh. I mean, that always plays. 18 walks, 14 punch outs, and 98 big league plate appearances. Um, we knew that he wasn't going to punch out. Did we think that he was going to walk like this? No. We did not think that he was going to walk like this. Did we think that he would have three homers in his first 26 games? No, probably not. We were thinking yeah. one. Like, yeah. it, it's not it's not Quan level lack of power, but it's like, oh, you're going to poke one out every 30 games. Like, yeah. not really the case. And at AmFam, that that plays up. Um, he's an incredible defender in right field. He's a, he's a center fielder. He's a really good center fielder that they've moved to a corner. Because Weimer is proving to be a really good center fielder. And, oh, by the way, that Chorio guy who we're talking about next episode, obviously, is going to be a gold glove caliber center fielder. So Freelick, like he was kind of forced into, hey, buddy, if you want to play every day, you got to play right field. And he's a really good right fielder. Yeah, and it's funny. It's not your right field profile, but like who no. cares on this team? Because they just need guys that can hit above you know, the league average and he's hitting above the league average. What what's fun about them is you talk about you know at the, the defensive ability. Yelich could probably play center field if you wanted him to, um, and then you've got Garrett Mitchell who can play a good center field, who's probably going to be back you know, sometime relatively soon. But where does Mitchell fit in? You're going to take. I wonder how they do this. Yeah, I I have no idea how they do this. I mean, the, you saw the Ken Rosenthal piece. They were talking about iterations of a trade with the Mets, reportedly. Yeah. Um, for for Pete Alonso, which would have been so fun, by the way, if yes. the Brewers got Pete Alonso up. First of all, he'd hit 55 home runs. Second of all, I'd be all the way in. And I think Freelick was was floating in those conversations, as was a Jefferson Caro and you know a Mizorowski and whatever it may be. And oh my gosh, I would do that in two seconds if I'm the Brewers because that's everything they need. Um, yeah. But you know, I think I don't think they're complaining right now. They're in a good spot and. Freelick's going to be a table setter for them for a long time. And you can start to see the core coming together. I think they move one of these outfielders. I don't think it's going to be Weimer because he's turned out to be this elite center fielder that is still just scraping the surface of what he can be offensively. I think Garrett Mitchell may end up being that expendable guy. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. But Freelick is really, really kind of, I think, solidified himself in this organization, too, with his performance. Yeah, but my, my question is, do you move Mitchell for um, – I'm trying to think of like a second tier or third tier. I think it's Mitchell is instead of another prospect and you attach him with a prospect. You but know? I'm thinking if if the difference between Pete Alonso and not Pete Alonso, like a guy a step below that's available in the trade market is Sal Freelick or Mitchell, like you might just suck it up and, and move Freelick for Pete Alonso. Well, but, It'll be what I'll say is Freelick's value will never be higher than because of the way he's playing right now. Exactly. And and with with a lot of this type of player starting to become more valuable again in Major League Baseball, which I, I love to see. Yep. 
37, another big leaguer. This is big leaguer day. Um, Emmett Sheehan, a guy that, you know, I think people have very much over overstated his struggles at the big league level with the Dodgers. And I think this is a guy that ultimately is going to be as good as, as any of the pitching prospects really in this range that we're going to talk about. And then behind him, um, he's been good when he's in triple, he got to the big leagues. It's, it's been rough at times, and it's really about the command for me. He checks a lot of the boxes that I love in the you know high carry, low release, fastball type guys, but he has better secondaries than all those guys. The challenge is he doesn't command those secondaries as well. Uh, 66% strike rate on a fastball that he was getting in zone whiff of at around 28%. That's including his big league stint. And then the cutter, the changeup, it's mostly cutter changeup. We'll sprinkle in a slider, which is really the cutter that he manipulates to be a bit bigger. Um, but the cutter and the changeup are better than the the Brian Woos and the Bryce Millers of the world. Uh, and I even think the Joe Ryans until he really found that splitter. The problem is he's only landed the cutter and the changeup for a strike this year at about a 58% clip. And in the big leagues, it was even lower than that. So it was a heavy fastball dependency. And if you're not locating the fastball the way the aforementioned uh, pitchers do, you're in trouble. So if Sheehan can find that feel for the secondaries a little bit more, I think it's game over because it's one of the lowest release points you're going to find. I think it is like the lowest release point you're going to find from a six foot five righty, and it takes off from there. And I think that fastball has a chance to be an elite pitch with secondaries that are damn good too. Yeah, so last five starts for Sheehan at the major league level, three and two-thirds, five earned, four Ks, four walks. Five innings, four earned, two Ks, three walks. Three and two-thirds, eight hits, eight runs, four Ks, five walks. But then five shutout innings, two hits, five punchouts, one walk. And then four innings, two hits, only two hits were solo homers, uh, three Ks, and a walk. So it's fascinating, like, Yes, two of his or his last two were the most encouraging in that five start stretch. Maybe the most encouraging of his career, aside from his debut when he went what five no hit or something. Yeah. Um, like she and I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried about the rest of this year. Like if they do call on him to make starts in September, I don't know what those look like. But this offseason will be yeah. big for shoring up the off speed and, and his ability to land those consistently. And the Dodgers are as big as anyone with, you know, the lab. And, and he's going to come back next year and be awesome. We know that I, already. I have no doubt about that. Because, like, with Gavin Stone, it was like, let's let's try to develop a third pitch here. You know, with 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 Pepe out, it was like, let's get this guy to throw strikes, period. Who, by Pepe the way, looked great, by the with way. The, with the performance and that piggyback role against the Marlins, I think that takes some of the pressure off of Sheehan as well. Yes. Uh, he looked awesome. But, you know, there was all these different variables. With Sheehan – you don't need to change anything. You just need to, you know, tweak whatever it is that's holding him back from, you know, being able to consistently spot the, that secondary stuff or strikes. The secondary stuff's unbelievable. And again, that fastball release point is crazy. And if you look at the last, you mentioned the one, two, three, four appearances, two in the big leagues, two in triple A, he, he's not given up more than two hits in any of those outings. So it's really not about the contact. It's about, one, the walks, and then two, is he going to leave a fastball or a cutter just right over the middle? And, I, I, again, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to get himself right in that regard. Speaking of the PCL, by the way, too, before we get into the next player, I mean, did we call it or did we call it with Hunter Goodman? 
He's already got yeah. 32 pumps. He's got seven pumps, Rocky system. Seven pumps in 12 games since going to AAA Albuquerque. It's a joke Yeah, having that guy out there. I think if you give him a full season, and I know he's not on the top 100 list, probably a guy that might end up being in the end of the season update just because of the power. If you gave him a full season in Albuquerque, I think he hits like 45. Do you know the average OPS in the PCL? I've got I've got the average numbers here. I've got average ERA. I've got average OPS. All that. Eight twenty seven. Eight twenty nine OPS. Average on. ERA. What do you think the ERA is? Four seven four. Five eight three. <laughs> okay, that I wasn't close. In the PCL, oh. the average ERA is a five eight three. The best team ERA in the Pacific Coast League is Round Rock with a four five nine. Two teams have a sub five ERA out of the ten. Yeah, that's insane. Five have an ERA over six. It's incredible. That's incredible. Do you know that your name still says Jacob Mizrowski on the thing? I do know. Yes. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's the bit. <laughs> that's hilarious. The the, the absolute dog, Jacob Mizorowski. Uh, But we're going to get to 36. And that's Carson Williams. Shortstop, Tampa Bay Rays. Who, <laughs> it looks like maybe on a little bit more of a fast track. I, I don't know what the deal is with Carson Williams. Because they brought him up to triple for a few games and then just sent him right back to high A. So I, I guess it was more of just, hey, dude, we're going to need you to plug and play here. F- fucking weird. It's a first-round pick. Why are you treating him like an org guy and sending Not him sure. to trips for like four games and then sending him back to high A? I understand the domino effect of the Wander Franco situation, but why'd they do that, Jack? Why'd okay, he go so- – yeah, so, d- sorry. Domino effects are like fine for guys that are not top 100 prospects in baseball. A domino effect and a ripple effect should never affect the guys that are top 10 prospects in your organization. I have no idea why it affected that. Yeah, like I mean, how far is Bowling Green from Durham? Um, it's probably a flight. I think it's like. like- Southern why? Kentucky versus I don't know why 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 the hell are we why the hell are we flying Carson Williams for a four game set uh, you know against Gwinnett and then sending him back to High A I mean the Rays know what they're doing and like I try not to you know I don't want to and we'll get into Carson Williams a player in a second here I just thought that was that was bizarro like what do what do we like go send someone else up there I, who cares put Put Austin Shent in a shortstop for a day. I don't give a shit. Lose the game at Gwinnett. Who cares? Like, why, why are we Why are we org guy treating Carson Williams? I thought that was bizarre. Maybe there's more to the story there, though. Yeah, he was um, great, though, in those four games. So one for 13 with six Ks. He was awesome. Like, Certainly like, ready. What are we doing? But anyways, I love Carson Williams. He is an awesome defender. And – if they wanted to justify throwing him up there, we talked about it. We're like, all right, like right, let's see what happens. But, you know, we knew the glove was ready. We knew that there, there's power. And that that's the thing that's really how I've kind of just fallen in love with Carson Williams, the prospect. Yes, there is a lot of swing and miss concern when you look at the punch outs. But the contact rates are average. They're about 80% zone contact. On fastballs, he rarely whiffs. It's the tr- The trouble for him right now is – 
breaking balls. And he's a very vertical hitter. And he, you know, he's a guy that I think just almost pathwise just ends up swinging over a lot of them, gets on that front foot and kind of gets over them sometimes. But he demolishes heaters. He's extremely patient. Talking about twenty two percent chase rate, ninetieth percentile exit velocity of one hundred and seven. And this is a guy that I think if he can get his lower half more involved, has even more power in the tank. That's why I could see almost plus plus power potential. Elite defender at shortstop. I think he's going to be a, a plus defender there for a long time. Gets into his game power consistently because he hits the ball in the air. There's so much to like here. Really, the one thing for me at this point is can he hit the breaking ball? That's a big if, but he just turned 20. It's his age 19 season. Uh, you know, I think he's got a lot of time to figure that out, and at least his swing decisions on breaking balls are good. I'm going to comp. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do it. Uh, Willie Adamas with more speed. Adamas is a high 20% K rate guy, um, but he's 25 to 30 homers. And I think that's what Carson Williams can do. He's got 25 to 30 homer upside. He strikes out a ton, but he's got the stolen base element that Adamas really doesn't have. And Adamas is a good defender. No, Adamas was a Tiger and then he was a Ray and now he's a Brewer and he's, you know, found a, a home and it seems like he is an extension candidate in Milwaukee. So I, I think the profile is very Adamas adjacent. You know what? I, I kind of like that. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with, I'm with an Adamas with more speed profile. Cool. And people thought Adamas was going to hit more and he just hasn't. And so like he is, what he's he still is. productive. He's still a very he's, valuable player. Yeah. A very valuable player. I mean, you're getting 20 to 30 pumps with defense at shortstop. Like, yeah, I mean, I, the, the one thing that I do think Williams can do more may, is, you know, maybe he doesn't hit 262. Maybe he hits, he hits 240, which is kind of what Adamus has been the last couple of years. He's going to walk more, I think. You know, we'll see at the upper levels, but he's a very patient hitter. So that's something that can help elevate Williams' profile a little bit more, too. Um, but, I mean, I think Adamus is still – it's been a down year for him. Extremely valuable player, as you said, a 106 career WRC plus. He's already accumulated um, almost 16 WAR, and, and he's he's not even 28 yet. I mean, that's that's a that's a damn good player. Yeah. Get to number 35, a guy who just got optioned back mm-hmm. down to Triple A, and honestly, I think nothing of it because I thought he was not even big league ready when they brought him up. Tyler Soderstrom catcher slash first baseman with the Oakland A's. Soderstrom wasn't ready, man. Like it just was, was that simple. And I picked Soderstrom to be my, my hitter of the year this year. Told you I was between him and Colt Keith. And I went with Soderstrom in the PCL um, to, to just be the minor league hitter of the year. And he's had a good year, but the approach has really affected him overall. Um, and I think that's been the big thing with, with Soderstrom is he is so aggressive at the plate. 21 home runs in 70 games is great. Uh, you know, 260, that, that'll play as well with his kind of power. But a 7% walk rate when you're a middle-of-the-order masher, that's not going to play. And that's why I was worried when he got called up to the big leagues. I'm like, what is he, what is he supposed to do? We're talking about a guy that's relying on the long ball right now, that is too aggressive with running a chase rate you know, well over 30%. And we want that guy to, to go to the big leagues and succeed, mind you, while also still learning how to catch. And I don't know why they're still running him out there as a, as a catcher a decent amount of the time. Um, he split time between first and catcher there. Um, I don't know if the, if the Oakland A's know what they're doing with Soderstrom at this point. 
And I think they're trying to figure that out. But what I will say is he should have played this entire year in triple a worked on the approach and cut that chase rate down because once he does that, I think he's in really good shape. He doesn't expand the zone a ton. Um, or sorry, he, he doesn't swing and miss a ton. He expands the zone too much. Um, and and I think if he can rein in that aggressive approach, you could have an, a, an average or above average hitter here. But, man, he, he he's just way too aggressive. He is. Um, like, I would say just make him a first baseman full-time because he got Shea, but also, like, Noda looks like the first baseman moving forward for Oakland. So, I, I don't know. It's hard to look at the 35th best prospect in baseball as a tweener. It's, hey, where is he going to play? But I, I think the, you know, it, it's fine if he's kind of bouncing back and forth. So I'm not really worried about the positional thing. Um, I'm with you. Like, it didn't feel like he was ready to rock at, at the major league level, and he got exposed. And I always have a little bit of concern with those guys, like, in terms of headspace. He went up and he failed. I think he could call that a, a big league failure, right? It was 24, 25 games, and he was OPSing under 500. Um, obviously, we don't place any stock in it. I, I wonder how much stock Tyler Soderstrom places in that because these guys are really competitive. And yeah. I'm sure a sub-500 OPS weighs on a guy like that, especially when he feels like he may never go down again if it's a non rehab assignment situation, but, but here he is getting options. So I'm just curious what that did for the mental and that's entirely out of his control. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's, I I do wonder, um, and, and the flip side of it, the devil's advocate would be, okay, he goes up there and it's this rude awakening of like, okay, I can't get away with these swing decisions for sure. And, and, and maybe now he goes back and, and really hones in on the swing decisions because, you know, when you're in Triple A and you're launching 21 homers in 70 games, and you know you're 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 still hitting 260, you say, "Oh yeah, dude, you got to stop expanding the zone." You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got 21 pumps, man. I'm hitting balls 114 miles an hour. You know, like it, it's it's kind of hard for that to resonate. So yeah. maybe on the other side, that, there's a good stifle of confidence to a line, and maybe that's what that could be here for him. I'll say this: swing wise, it's one of my favorite swings in the minor leagues. It's one of the one of the more like big league swings. That's why I think it's just get that approach right, continue to work on the pitch recognition, and and he'll get there. Um, and honestly, looking at some of the advanced catching metrics, he wasn't a disaster. So if he cannot be a disaster behind the dish, yeah, you split time between catcher and first base, that definitely elevates the profile. I'm with you on that. Yeah. We get to 34. This is just a big leaguer episode. Another guy who just got sent back down to the minor leagues. Um who also, I just talked about this on The Verge, not really worried about Colton Kowser long-term, outfielder, Baltimore Orioles. Talk about a guy that was just thrown into, hey, um, we've got a couple guys banged up, including Cedric Mullins. We're going to need you to play some center. We're going to need you to play some left uh, for the best team in the American League. Okay. He didn't hit very well. I thought he defended pretty decently. I thought – I didn't think he looked blatantly overmatched. Honestly, when I saw the numbers, I was like, whoa, that is way worse than what I thought I was looking at. Yeah. Uh, he hit 115. But I don't know. I'm just I'm just not that worried about him. It, this was a dude that coming into this year had a lot of things to work on. Left on left was, was, was a struggle for him. You know, breaking balls at times were a struggle for him. And he improved both of those things. I mean, he's, he matched to a 900 OPS left on left 
this year after being a disaster left on left. Before that, uh, he's hitting breaking balls much better this year. I think that's still something he needs to improve upon, though. Um, and, and his swing decisions are really good. I mean, he's a sub-20% chase rate guy. If I could pinpoint one thing, though, it is still the breaking balls, and I think that was what got exposed at the big league level. If you want to know how different AAA baseball is from the major leagues, look no further than Colton Kowser's statistics in Norfolk and in Baltimore. Like, honestly, you think, oh, you're a step away? That is a leap a big step. on the moon. It's a massive <laughs> leap. It's one giant leap for mankind, for, for Colton Kowser here. Like, I mean, going from a 10-17 OPS in 62 games, to a 433 OPS when he was walking a lot. Yeah, he was walking. A 330 hitter in AAA hit a buck 15 in 77 plate appearances. And you talk, you talk, you talk about the confidence too, right? Like, oh, this guy must be beat up. They send him back to AAA. Six games, 348, 464, 739. So, so you know what? You know what happens? Like, you always see that a guy that isn't big league ready goes up, struggles with the big leagues. Guess what? He's still seeing big league pitching. So he comes down here. He's like, wait, this shit is easy. And then yeah. he just hammers that. So that's how quadruple A guys become a thing. And Kowser is so much more than a quadruple yeah, A guy. 100%. That was, yeah. Like, that uh, wasn't saying Kowser's that, but like Kowser, while he might not have been entirely ready, He's one of the best hitters in AAA right now. So I think next year is his year to really, you know, get get his full glimpse at the major league it's, level. It's the breaking balls. It's the breaking balls. It's, and is the AAA breaking balls compared to the big league breaking balls. That might be one of the biggest differences you have. They're nothing, bro. It's, it's, it's the biggest difference you have. So I think that that's something you can work on all year. We have pitching machines nowadays that can crank up like slider machines that are disgusting. And they'll expose your, your inefficiencies in your path. Uh, and I, I have a lot of confidence that Kowser, you know, you don't want to make some major tweaks right now when you're demolished. And that's the, the problem, too, where you become this tweener in AAA in the big leagues. I'm demolishing AAA pitching, which is going to get me back to the big leagues. Why would I change something that could get me in a little bit of a rough patch in AAA? But if you don't change something, when you get to the big leagues, you're going to run into the same problems again. And that's why you should have empathy for these guys because their their job is damn hard. Yes. Uh, but I know Cowboys is going to get there. I really do. Yeah. We get to number 33, and this is not a big leaguer. And I got a lot of – not as much flack as I thought. I got more flack for ranking freaking Jason Dominguez high, which is so ironic to me. Because Marcelo Meyer checks in at 33. And Marcelo Meyer has struggled in double A this year. While Jason Dominguez struggled in double A this year, then went nuclear. And Dominguez is the same age as Meyer. Um, and, and Dominguez also just got – we're going to do a whole episode on promotions as well. Um, I might even rip a solo episode on promotions at some point, And then we finish this top 100 because there's so many promotions. But – Myers really struggled in double A, like really, really struggled. And I just think the psychology of it is always funny. And it just shows you prospect fatigue 101 here. But right. we're not here to compare those two. We're no. here to talk about Marcelo Meyer. We can talk, we can talk about the psychology of prospect fatigue another time. Meyer was great in high A. You know, the, the Red Sox worked on some things to improve the bat speed. And and I think that's exactly what he emerged this year doing was, you know, showing more bat speed. And through 35 high eight games, seven pumps, 290, 366, 524. 
What I really like Meyer too is the glove. The glove is really good at shortstop, silky smooth, and I think he's going to be a good defender there for a long time. The problem is he is really struggling in double A. And from what I've seen, he's just kind of getting blown up. He's getting blown up by fastballs. And I think he's in a spot where he really needs to overhaul the swing. It's uh, one of those moves where the barrel tip is so extreme that to get it back down and flat to where it needs to be, I think the ball just gets on him too quickly. And it's it's one of those moves, man, where it's like if you're not like Javi by and, and Javi by stinks, but if you're not like one of these guys with elite elite bat speed, like we were just working on your bat speed, and now you're gonna start from flat barrel to all the way jacked up to have to get it all the way back down, and I think we're really seeing him struggle with that against more advanced pitching. I I could be off here, but like in terms of bat path, you mentioned sweet left-handed swing. The sweetest left-handed swing of all time, maybe the sweetest swing of all time is is Griffey. And Griffey had that bat path that was tip and then it was kind of glide through the zone, right? And it was was a little loopy, but if Griffey was seeing elevated 99, I don't think that swing looks like that. No. Yeah. And and I was going to say the thing with him is like, he can, he's just quicker. Like yeah, again, if he you're the, he's one of the quickest guys of all time. So yes. there's guys that can get away with that. If you're one of the quickest guys of all time. And also Griffey stayed here and then got here for Meyer. It's like down up and then he's got to get it back down. And it's just, you want to hear the numbers against fastballs, man? Yeah. Because Last like, 30 games against fastballs, fastballs. Even though the most struggling prospects demolish fastballs. Last 30 games against heaters, 171, 255, 366. Like, that, that's just not going to fly. So, you, just, you know when you were in the backyard just playing pickup basketball and you tried to do the AI crossover or like the <laughs> sham god? You do it in slow motion. And, yeah. and I think that's the comp that I was making there. You've got these sweet swings – like it's the slow mode version because you don't have the ability that that world-class athlete did. And Meyer has a ton of ability, but a split second slower than one of the sweeter left-handed swings of all time. Like I'm thinking about Bellinger too. Bellinger lost some of that quick freak type twitch where that long swing and that crazy bat path got yeah. super exposed. And I think that's kind of where Meyer's at right now. Yeah, 100%. And, and and I think that's something that he'll shore up. He will. I really think he will. But the problem is some of this length from launch to, to contact is resulting in him needing to cheat more, too. And now mm-hmm. as he's cheating more, he's expanding more. And that makes breaking make, balls harder. Yeah. Yep. He's got to he's got to make swing decisions earlier. And now making swing decisions earlier, he's chasing at a 34 percent clip. And if you go you know, from double A onward, he's chasing at a 37 percent clip. So it, it's it's just too high. What I will say that's encouraging is he did add bat speed. He did add strength going into this year um, and he's putting up a 90th percentile 105. The powers to all fields. But for me, it's like he's either catching it deep. And he's just got the ability to to drive it the other way with with loft because there is loft in his swing, or he's cheating and catching it out front and crushing one pull side. If you look at the spray charts, it's pretty wild, man. It's like 
either straight down the line or or deep out that way. And there's not a lot of center field. And to me, that's a guy that's lacking some bat speed because it's either I got the head out or I just caught it before the catcher's mitt. And that's a hard way to operate. That's a really hard way to operate. So if he can clean that up, though, I do think he can still be that top 15 in pro- prospect in baseball that everybody has him at. But there's some swing issues right now. And you can talk about the BABIP and all that. I don't care about BABIP when you're rolling over to third base or, or rolling over to first base, excuse me. And like that's what he's been doing or popping up. Like it's been a lot of weak contact in between. Yeah. 32, big leaguer. <laughs> this is the big league episode, man. Curtis Mead. Um, he's settling in a little bit at the big league level. I, I've really liked what I've seen from Curtis Mead over the last few games. And you know what I love about <laughs> I, I, it's a poor preface of the one silver lining of this terrible Rays situation overall with guys getting hurt and <laughs> and everything happening is that Curtis Mead's going to get his fair shot. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's going to get his fair shot. He really struggled out of the gate. And I, I, I you know, I do wonder if a team that's really trying to, to grab a pennant, they see him struggle and say, eh, all right, send you back down. Like, you know, we're, we're, you're 22 years old. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll give somebody else a shot. Now, like, Mead, Mead, Mead's getting opportunities here. And over his last handful of games, he's been a lot better. He's been much more like that Curtis Mead that oh, I saw as a top 30 prospect in baseball. Uh, he dropped to 32 here, but last five games, he's picked up seven hits. He's walked four times. He's only punched out five times. Um, Yes, that's against the eh, – no, it's a, it's a bunch of different teams. Guardians, Giants, Angels, Rockies. He's yep. not playing every day. They're kind of putting him in situations to succeed. And I think he's serving a good role for them. But this is a dude that I think got unfairly docked, Jack, when he got hurt because he was not playing well before the injury, then comes back and misses a lot of time. And I think at, at that point people like really, really docked him. Then he comes back off the injury – and goes absolutely nuclear. And, and it's like, that's who we always knew he was. Uh, like, wh- where are you at on Curtis Mead at this point? Given that this would, relatively speaking, I have air quotes up, be a disappointing year for him um, if you asked some people that weren't watching super closely. Yeah, so I'd say he's probably somewhere between the um, pre-debut extension candidate that Jeff Passan tweeted about before <laughs> yeah. the season started and a, a cast-off and a trade candidate. Um, I think this guy looks like a he factors into the future of the Tampa Bay Rays in some form or fashion. Is it at a corner? I don't know. Yandy Diaz looks like the first baseman of the future. Isak Paredes looks like the third baseman of the future. Is Mead a DH? Do you get Paredes off his feet and let him DH, or do you have him play second base and you know you have Lau DH? Like, I think he fits into the jigsaw puzzle that will be the Tampa Bay Rays infield. And I think if yeah. if you had to keep one, still at this point, I know Aranda has been hitting the ball really well in AAA so far this year, uh, but I think if if you had to move Mead or Aranda or Basabe, it's like okay, keep one of Aranda, Mead, Basabe. Xavier Isaac, I know you love Xavier Isaac. I'm keeping I'm, Mead. I'm keeping Mead. 100. I'm keeping Mead. Um, I, I it, when and you know I think our rankings reflect that. You know, and it, I love that you brought that up because again, these rankings, the way that we try to like, like the methodology is supposed to be that you will not trade 32 for 31. Yes. Like that. 
that is that is the way it should be. And in this case, we're not trading any of those guys that you mentioned that are ranked behind. By the way, Basabe, first career home run, grand mm-hmm. slam. People sleep on the power. I get it because he puts the ball on the ground 55% of the time, but he's got juice. Meade has big-time juice, too. He's got to get into it a little bit more as well. The 24 games, by the way, prior to his call-up after the injury, that little sandwich time in AAA, 355, 465, 38 slash line. What I love about this guy is he doesn't need to hit homers to slug. One home run, but he had two triples and 10 doubles in that span. He's the kind of guy that I think could lead the league in doubles. The, if I could give an offensive like like dream comp, Jack, I'm thinking like Castellanos type, where like it's that. like when he runs into one, you're like, oh, there's the monster power. But at the end of the year, like if he's not playing in Great American Ballpark, it's probably not going to be 35, 40 home runs. You know, it's it's going to be 20, 25, maybe 30 on a good year. And I think that's kind of what you see where he fits defensively. We'll have to wait and find out, but I, I'm, I'm a big Curtis Mead fan. And I think you could have justified having him a little bit higher. Yep. 31. Another guy who's like narrative. has just been funny to watch this year. Emmanuel Rodriguez. Um, I've been doing some fun, like data queries where I can get like charts of, you know, basically I, I've been wanting to just kind of put it all in a, in a visible lens of like, You know, I love 90th percentile exit velocity. You know, I love zone contact. Who are the guys that are, you know, super proficient in one, not as proficient in the other, or kind of proficient in one and kind of proficient in the other? Um, And, and, you know, how far on one side of the graph can we get? Um, And Emmanuel was definitely an outlier in a good way because he hits the living crap out of the ball. And his contact rates, while they're, they're not great, they're average. And to have... There's not a lot of guys with average contact rates and at 108 90th percentile exit velocity, right? And that's what this Twins prospect has. The funny thing is, you remember when we were talking about what the hell's wrong with Emmanuel Rodriguez through the first 30 games where he was hitting 173, 333, 373? He was chasing at an 11% clip. He was only swinging the bat 30% of the time. Yeah. Well, since then, Jack, 259, 418, 472. Nine homers, five triples, five doubles, which is super weird. Um, 51 hits, 52 walks, 62 Ks in that span. He's swinging a little bit more, now swinging 39% of the time, which is still nothing. And and he's been awesome. I think this is a guy that just figured out, hey, I was being too passive. Now I can be patient. To pour water on this, why is he striking out as often as he is? He's got 113 punch outs in just under 400 plate appearances. I think he gets into too many deep counts. Yeah, like the Julien situation where all he of a sudden. He is Edouard Julien. Dude, he literally is. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. He is literally Edouard Julien. The difference is he has more raw power. And I, I gotta, I'd have to pull off the Julien like, contact rates. I think they're pretty similar. Yeah. Like, I'm t- if, if this guy's a Julien with more power. You have I mean, to be Julie, Julian's an eight seven. I, I will kick you off this show if if you like. I will do it. I will do it alone for the rest of my life because you are the biggest Edward Julian guy, and I will not allow it. I will not allow you to be anti Emmanuel Rodriguez. No, I like Julian because he speaks French and he's from Quebec. <laughs> like that's the only reason why I like him. Like I'm I'm pulling. Yeah, I'm I'm accusing you of horrible things if you are out on Emmanuel Rodriguez and in on on yeah. <laughs> Edward Julian. Got you. 
Um, but no, like jokes aside, like they are a- almost clones. Holy crap. Cool. Zone contact, 79. Obviously, Julian's doing this at the big league level, but this is what right. we're hoping it turns into. 79%. That's exactly what Emmanuel Rodriguez is. Chase rate, 14%. That's exactly what Emmanuel Rod- Rodriguez is. 90th percentile exit velocity, 105. Emmanuel Rodriguez is 108. Difference is Julian's doing it at the big league level. The other side of it is Rodriguez lifts a little bit more, man. He hits the ball in the air a little bit more. And, I mean, he's got a higher ceiling. But I think it's really exciting to see that the Julian profile is working. And you were a guy that was as bought in on Edouard Julian as possible. And, you know, a big reason why we ranked him. We were, I think, we're the only ones that ranked him in the top 100 out of this year. And you were one of the catalysts of that. If I didn't rank him, I think you would have kicked me off the show. So it's like, you know, it, it was one of those things where it's like people were skeptical of the profile. But there's a lot of iterations of this working. Max Muncy. Now we're seeing Julian. And and here's the difference with Rodriguez. He can go get it in center. Yeah, man. Like, here's here's my thing on that profile. Like, it's – obviously there are some flaws and, like, the strikeouts are there, whatever, yada, yada. Um, they're never going to be truly bad. Like, they're never going to be lost offensively. And how can you not respect a guy that will never be lost? Yeah. Edward Julien can, you know, and, and it's different because like Schwarber just slugs like the slug elevates the OPS. But how do you make money in arbitration? How do you make money in free agency? You do it via war. And I think Julien's turning into a serviceable defender at second base. Rodriguez, you said, can go get it in center field. Muncie is turned into a serviceable defensive third baseman. War and a WRC plus booster and an OPS booster. People get paid on OPS. These guys are OPS merchants. Yeah. They walk and they hit homers. Dude, Max Muncy's hitting sub 200 over the last two years. And he's got probably an 850 OPS in that And he's, he's a two-win player. Yes, <laughs> Two-and-a-half-win player. Yes, and, man. And if, if Rodriguez is doing this, like if he's – it'll be one of the weirdest profiles ever because you don't see it from center field. But like if Rodriguez is 193, 330, 470 with 30 pumps – and good defense in center field. You're so happy. I'm in. I mean, I'm it's, in. it's a frustrating player, but like, it's a valuable player. It's a valuable one, and and that's why, like, when I was saying, like, if you're in on Edouard Julien, you got to be in on Emmanuel because Emmanuel can defend it. Both those guys that you mentioned, yes, they've gotten to a point where they're passable. Even if Rodriguez can't stick in center, he's a great corner. So it, that puts them in a really good spot. Um, yeah, I, I think you would have. Would you would you have punted me off the show if I didn't put Julian on the top 100 going into this year? Probably, but you were on board too, so that was never even a, an idea. I was very, it's, I also was very like, it's also your show, so I feel like I couldn't do ah, it. It's our show. Thanks. Um, 30. Now, this is a guy, if you put your foot down, and this could have been the end of the show as well. This is a very controversial episode. Owen Casey. If I didn't have you in on Owen Casey, I, I – friendship might be evaluated at this point because our friendship's already fractured. Yeah, it's true. Owen Casey, dude. Well, I can guarantee we're the high guys on Owen Casey at number 30 Chicago Cubs prospect. Talk about the, the the chart. You got the X and Y axis, right? Uh, X, X is, (laughs) X is horizontal, right? Y is vertical. (laughs) 
yes. Y okay. Y axis vertical X horizontal. Okay. Jesus Christ. You okay. So imagine that the Y axis is exit velocity, and then the X axis is con- zone contact rate. There's going to be almost nobody in the entire minor leagues other than Junior Caminero that's going to be higher on the vertical portion on the on on the y-axis then at that point i'm looking okay how far over can you get from the top of the y-axis you know who's going to be the furthest over on the x-axis and junior caminero is number one like he he was pretty far over uh, which is crazy and that shows you just why he's the number two prospect in baseball but owen casey wasn't like straight up and and hugging you know, the, the line that is the y-axis. Like, there's enough zone contact there that has continued to get better. And for those who I may have just lost by getting way too into, like, graphs and and, and whatever, like, let, I'll, I'll, I'll just put it back into, like, layman's terms. 110 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity is among the best, not only in the minor leagues, it's among the best in the major leagues. It would put him in the top 10. Zone contact rate has improved as the season has gone on. And mind you, this is his age 20 season. Like, I, I find it crazy that I have to campaign so hard for this guy. It's his age 20 season. He's a 6'4", 220-pound lefty out of Canada who had limited experience going into the draft and traded in that U Darvish deal. Since you take out the tacked ball from that league where he was already young for the league, K rate drops below 30%. Walk rate jumps to 15%, and he's hitting 314, 420, 568. He's 6'4", 220 with more room to add strength and already has one of the best exit velocities in the 90th percentile department in all of the minor leagues and the big leagues. His average exit velocity would be tied with Rafael Devers for 14th in the game. I think the whiff is going to continue to cut down too, Jack. This age 20 season in double A, age 20 season with experimental baseballs. There's more strength. There's going to be improved field to hit. His chase rates are, are, are good. Like what else do we need to see from this guy other than cutting down on the whiff, which he has progressively done. Yeah, he is going to cut down on the whiff. I, I love that you said, let me put this in layman's terms and still went to 90th percentile exit velo. I thought and about that as I said that. <laughs> I was it's like, like yeah, <laughs> not really layman's terms. Bro, you're so far gone. Here's layman's terms. He's 6'4", I mean, 220, was, and hits nukes. <laughs> I was sending you I was sending you the XY axis. Like I was sending you the graphs on a Saturday night at 1 a.m. I think. Grass, bro. <laughs> you didn't answer me, by the way, too, which was I was sleeping. <laughs> no, you weren't. You were out being a human being, I guess. No, man. I was sleeping. But am I like Greg Huss came on and was like, how did you, he's like, I don't disagree with it, but how did you comfortably put yourself out there to the degree of putting Owen Casey this high? And I talked about the conversation that you and I had and how, like, you know, you've told me in the past, like kind of ignore the other rankings. Like, you know, if you believe it, you, you believe it. Like you have enough confidence in your ability to assess players. Like if there's not 30 players, you take over Owen Casey, then, rank them 30. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's where we're at here. Like there's not 30 players that take over Owen Casey. Where are you? I, you don't have to be as high, but like, yeah. where do you think he lies between like the industry has him barely in the top 100. We have him as a top 30 guy in the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's closer to 30 because you never see this. And, and I thought that it was such a unique wrinkle and it's so hard for me to assess. It was like um, alt site success in 2020. Um, how do you how do you assess success at the alt site? Like Ryan Weathers is a guy that just got massacred for the Marlins. But this guy dominated the alt site and made his debut after spending pretty much the entire year at low A in 2019. So how does a guy go from low A to the big leagues? Garrett Crochet turned from a starting pitching prospect to a big league reliever, and now he's a reliever because outside 2020 was weird. So I almost view the 2020 season and the tacked ball in the Southern League as these weird one-offs that we somehow have to assess. And the guy that I came away with with the best feeling about um, was Owen Casey. I think the other one was probably Jefferson Carroll, who we're going to get to spoiler alert next episode. Yeah. But Casey is probably the other one because the fact that he could even come close to the production that he had last year with that tack ball as a 20 year old in a level that he might not have been quote unquote ready for at the start of the season, I think told you all you got to know about that guy. That's and I know I know you got to run to a broadcast in a minute. We got to get through a couple more players, and then we're gonna do twenty five to eleven, and then the top ten. We're gonna put a lot of time into, which I think is the right way to do it, anyways. Yeah. Um, I just the thing that blows my mind above all is is what you just said. Everyone has Kevin Alcantara ahead of Owen Casey. Alcantara is no. doing less as a, at the same age at a lower level. I know he's 6'6", six, six, okay, Casey's 6'4". I know that he has a chance to play center, okay. These guys have to hit to be good, and Casey is hitting better in double-A. What would Kevin Alcantara be doing in double-A right now? I don't know, but nothing close to this. So I'm all the way in on Owen Casey, and I'm not just saying it because I have all of his baseball cards, uh, which yeah, I, I have a bunch of them, but um, I'm telling you, this is a guy that he, he, he's going to become a very top prospect very soon. 29, Andy Rodriguez. I'll kind of give you the floor on this one, man. We had an awesome conversation with him, uh, you know, during All-Star Weekend. It has not been the year that maybe we expected after he was the hitting prospect of the year for just baseball um, back in, in 2022. But you know what, dude? I've been really encouraged with the big league stint so far. I'm sure you have too. And I know that you were not discouraged by the 94 WRC plus and AAA, the floor is yours, Jack. I wasn't discouraged at all. And I, I think I've got a really unique opportunity to meet these guys and, you know, get to know like the mentals. And, you know, the, the thing that jumps out to me about Andy Rodriguez, like, okay, yeah, the, the numbers are, you know, right around fine. It's a 98 OPS plus for Andy at the major league level. You mentioned 94 WRC plus at the AAA level. Um with Andy, like I was impressed more than anything by the makeup and, you know, pretty much second, the way that pitchers talked about him, mm -hmm. like pitchers love Andy Rodriguez. And if I'm assessing a catching prospect who was the minor league hitter of the year yeah. in 2022, I want to know how pitchers feel about him. And the answer is so well, like, Okay, you, you think it's a fun PR stunt by the Pirates that he and Quinn Priester debuted on the same day? No. Guess what? That was a move to make Quinn Priester as comfortable as possible with a guy that was ready for a big league cameo. Yeah. Andy yep. is going to be an insanely good catcher for an insanely long time. Yep. He's a switch hitter with plus bat to ball. 
and, and the thing that jumps out to me is like this guy is is mature beyond his years and you met him dude he had no reason to link with us in the lobby of the fucking. No, he's the man. I, I I love I love Andy, man. I you know, <laughs> we had him at twenty nine uh, already, like before we met him, and I was like, I want to bump him up, man. This guy rocks. But we obviously he pushes himself. Like, here's my thing. Like, he, that dude pushes himself to do interviews in English. When, you know, like a lot of these guys are, are not comfortable with it. And I don't fault guys that don't do it. But think no. about what Julio Rodriguez, Julio became pretty much fluent when he I was had, in high A double. I had the opportunity to speak to him at the at the BBWA, whatever. It's just a bunch of letters dude, where they give out all the awards for the MLB. Yeah. I was in the elevator with Julio. First of all, such a personable guy. His English is like almost impeccable at this point. And again, it's like you don't have to speak English to be a good prospect. But it just shows, like, if you're a guy that is playing, and I mean, most of these guys, like, there's downtime. They usually, you know, go out or do something else or play video games or whatever. And I'm sure that everyone still does that. It's good to have the balance. But if you're taking some of your free time to learn English so that you can properly communicate with your teammates, that is an example of kind of who you are as a player and almost will always seep into other aspects of your game. Yes. And that's why it's no surprise that J-Rod has handled aggressive assignments. It's no surprise that Andy has handled aggressive assignments. And you'll see in a lot of Baseball America scouting write-ups and things like that, players made a, like a, a, a large effort to learn English. Again, it's not a prerequisite to being a, a good player. If, if you struggle with, with learning languages, that's okay. That's like it fine. doesn't, it doesn't dock you. I've been, but I've been working on Babbel for fucking two years. Yeah, I suck at Spanish, but you know what? If I was playing ball, like, and I knew that that could separate it for me, I'd like to think I'd do it. If not, I'm lazy. You should dock me. Um, you know, like it, it's just the kind of the way it is, but he's been awesome in the big league level so far, like in terms of shaking off the slow start continues to get better. And, and I, I've been impressed. The EVs have jumped this year, dude. So I, I think he's somebody that, will continue to get better in the power department as he gets a better feel for hitting for power. Yeah. 28, Kobe Mayo, guy we had on the show very recently. Go check out our interview with him. He is the freaking man too. We're like, now we're in the this guy is the man portion of the uh of the list. Yeah. So advanced for a 21-year-old. Um I did get to see him pretty closely in this last series. I watched almost every single at bat against Jacksonville. Um a little Yankee not New York Yankee, like a little bit of yank in his swing. And we talked about how, like when he's right, he's looking to center field, right center field, all that good stuff. A little bit too much of that pull. But when you talk about how special this guy can be um, and how good he is for a 21 year old man, I mean, it is a crazy amount of power that he already has at six, five, one ninety, two hundred pounds. He's worked on his swing with the Orioles through the off season to, to make, increased contact he also talked about on the episode how he was hurt last year too and nobody again he's like i didn't really want to use it as an excuse but i definitely wasn't feeling right and and now he's feeling right well what does that look like age 21 season a wrc plus a 177 in double a 17 pumps 15 percent walk rate 25 percent k rate the other thing that stands out to me is you have elite exit velocities and at the same time, contact rates are slightly above average. Everyone talked about how he's probably going to move off third, Jack. He looks good at third. Like, I, I think he could stick there. Approach has been pretty solid. I think this is a guy that's going to be a top 10 prospect in baseball by the time he gets up because he's going to be blocked a little bit. And yeah. he's going to start really mashing in triple A's. He gets comfortable. 108 mile per hour, 90th percentile, 82% zone contact rate, 23% chase rate. What else you want to see? 
Nothing. I'm going to ask you to play the if game. If Kobe Mayo spent the entire year in Bowie, was he going to be the was he going to be the minor league pitcher player of the year? Yes, without a doubt. Yes, without a doubt, it would be him and Colt Keith duking it out. Yeah, Um, (laughs) and it would be it would just be a slugfest. When he spends the entire year in Norfolk next year, you're gonna everybody's gonna be pounding the pavement, similar to Kowser. I think I think it's Kowser without the big league cameo next year. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We'll do one more and then we'll go 26 to 11 on the next episode. Yeah, and then two 10. more. Okay. Okay. I just want to make yeah. sure I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make you late, dude. I'm always the asshole who makes you late. No, man, your, we're good for, for your day job. And I know what, I know what Jordan Wicks does. Like, he's, yes, that is true. Yeah. This might be one of his last AAA starts, by the way. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, last thing on Mayo, howitzer of an arm at third yeah. base, which I think has really helped. There was a play specifically, like my friend Griffin Conine texted me and goes, bro, I was doing some research on on um, one of the arms before the Norfolk series. Go look at this Kobe Mayo play where he sits back on a ball deep and watch the throw he uncorks. And I was like, oh, let's go. And it was a chopper back. I tweeted it. It was a chopper back. He does almost like the Machado load up and just uncorks. Had to be a 90 plus across the diamond. And it was, I don't, it was I don't, awesome. I don't know if I ever sent you this video. Did did I ever send you the video of like Mason Wynn? He stayed back on a ball at short, and I was like, okay, he's back. Yeah, to throw a ball you got always, He didn't. Got I got yeah. so screwed. You tried. You tried to have like the the perfect call, right? Where it was like, watch Mason Wynn on cork one, and he just like flicked it across the diamond. <laughs> I was like, what the hell, man? Like he stayed back on a ball. I was pissed. <laughs> In your defense, that would have been a sick call if it happened. Yeah, twenty seven. This is perfect, actually. This guy you just yeah. saw a ton of, and yeah. I. This is Brooks Lee is the definition of a player that you have to see for a week straight to appreciate how good he is. And I want you to just wear that. I want you to just soak that in and say, I now like Brooks Lee more because I watched him play baseball for a week instead of looking at the stats. Yes, um, I would immediately bump the field tool up 10 points right now. You've got 45-50. I think he's 55-60. Watching that dude play shortstop for a week, it's not, you know, Mason Wynn's arm. It's not the range of, you know, whoever. Like, like the gold standard of range is Jeter, even though I think we're learning that it wasn't the gold <laughs> standard of range. I have no idea. But, um, no, like, it, nothing metrically screams elite defensive shortstop about Brooksley. But watch this dude inhabit shortstop for a week and you will say this guy's smoother than anybody. It's incredible to watch this guy and watch how how slowly the game moves for this guy. Yes, he had a couple of extra base hits. I, I think it's going to be a slight acclimation process to triple. I think it's going to be a slight acclimation process to the big leagues when he when he eventually gets there. But, dude, like the thing that I came away from that with was. He's one of the more polished young shortstops I've ever seen calling minor league baseball. I was going to say, I hate saying this about prospects, but there's like almost no chance he's bad. There's no a chance, chance he's, he's average. Bad. Especially defensively, there's no yeah. chance he's bad. Well, and I just mean as like a player. Like if you're a good defensive shortstop who's a switch hitter who puts bat on ball, like there's no chance you're bad. Like right. if he's Kyle Farmer, that stinks. Like that's unfortunate, but he's not but again. Kyle there's no Farmer. chance. There's a lot of guys that we talked about, unfortunately, in the last couple episodes, who will n- never even accumulate a positive WAR. Like there's several guys that we talked about that may never do that. That's the nature of the beast. Brooks Lee, I, 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 if you could say like pick a guy that has to 
accumulate more than five war in his career or else you get, you know, sent to Guantanamo. Like I'm, I'm taking Brooks Lee's one of the names I'm taking. If it's outside of the top 10, let's say, um, you know, like that, that's, that's where I'm at. So beyond that though, dude, he's starting to tap into a little bit more juice. And I think the pull side power is underrated. He popped a one Oh nine off of Levi stout. Um, He's popped a couple like one Oh sevens, one Oh eights. The field of hit is phenomenal. I mean, it's it's plus contact rates. I think there's a chance for plus plus power. I don't like his right-handed swing as much. His left, if he was just a lefty, I think it's a plus plus hit tool. But with the righty swing still being in progress, it's 60 present, 70 future. But I mean, man, like this guy's just gonna hit. And I think he's tapped into just enough juice, 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile. Like that'll play with what you get from him. You know, like yeah. I, I think he's gonna be an above average everyday shortstop. If you move him to third. He can play a really good third, um, and and I think you know like he might not be a prototypical power guy there, but he, he's going to hit. If you move him to second, it's like Nico Horner type. You know, maybe not the speed, but you're going to get elite defense and a ton of hitting. Everything you liked about Bryce Terang coming into the year, yeah, this guy's way better. <laughs> yeah, like it's elevated. I'm a bum for the Bryce Terang take, but no, man, like I I agreed with you. I don't think Terang is going to suck. I think, you know, yes. I don't either. I don't lost. either. I, like, people forget that like Bryce Terang, talk about prospect fatigue. He's 23. Also, yeah. I, I, I said I'd take a three-war bet for him. He's at 0. .6, but at least it's positive. Um, yeah. 26, last but not least. Come on. This is a guy I know you're, you're excited to talk about. Come on now. Cade Horton? I would say, what, aside from – Andrew Painter and Paul Skeens, who I can't wait to talk about, by the way, just got to see a, a really fun outing of him just just working on change-ups like an asshole. Like, yeah. could you imagine some guy strikes you out and he's just working on things? Like, he's, he's so not even funny. his main pitch. I mean, he's just working on things and it's you punch so out on funny. So annoying. Like, I, I, I felt bad for my buddy Mike on that one. Like, he just worked on four change-ups and set, set him down. Um, but Kate Horton, man. He's working on a changeup, and it's developed pretty nicely. And I think if that pitch comes together for him, it's game over. We've talked about Horton, though. It's a mid, mid-90s fastball that gets up to 99 with good, with good life. Slider is disgusting. He's found a way to differentiate that curveball more, and that's been really good. And now he's using a bit of that like Vulcan grip changeup, and that's been there for him. Over his last 10 starts, and I know they're managing his innings, Last 10 starts, 68% strike rate across his entire arsenal, 31% chase rate on the fastball, 36% chase rate on the slider, 42% chase rate on the curveball, 39% chase rate on the changeup. Dude, you, how do you game plan for that? You have four different pitches that are good enough for you to expand the zone against, and then all four of which he lands for a strike two-thirds of the time or more. Not only will this guy, I think, be – the best pitching prospect in baseball when Paul Skeens graduates, because, you know, we got to wait for, for Painter to come back now. I think if Painter's healthy and Horton gets another year to develop, remember he only threw what 40 innings uh, in college. That's it. Uh, This is his second year of really pitching period. I think he could be in the Painter conversation in terms of just stuff. Obviously Painter's got more upside. He's a huge dude. And And he's younger. And he's two years younger. He's two years younger. But in terms of like tier one, you can't separate those guys by tier. You could say one A, one B, 
But I, I think if we were tiering pitching prospects, you can't separate Horton from Painter, uh, I think, very soon. I mean, almost maybe now. I, I want to at some point, and this is probably an offseason thing when we're just bored to tears, I want to power rank Hoyer Hawkins W's. And I think the drafting of Cade Horton, and you got to credit scouting director Dan Kantrovitz with that too, but like this is one of the bigger W's in recent memory for the Chicago Cups. I think the other is is swapping Baez and Trevor Williams for Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, but dude, like, Horton is a massive, massive W because who saw this coming in the top 10? It was a surprise when he was drafted. People were pissed. People were pissed. But Cubs dude, fans were not happy. I We mentioned it when we talked Robbie Snelling. Like he and Snelling are kind of duking it out for pitcher of the year. Snelling has the innings bump on him, but Horton, I mean, it's it's 100 plus Ks and 20 walks. Yeah, I mean, and and with a feel for the all of his pitches, and it just seems like he learns on the fly so well. It's a guy that the athleticism is just there. And by the way, Jackson Ferris, who they used the savings on to sign for $3 million, he's been, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. And he might be a top 100 pitching prospect or top 100 prospect by, by the time we get to the end of this year as well. How about so, I mean, Newell, man. <laughs> yeah, well, nah, that's another one. Um, he's recovering from Tommy John. And Birdsell has been awesome. I, I The Cubs front office deserves all the praise in the world. And that'll be an offseason episode where we can really talk about that. I'm really excited to cook on this, on this show on the off season. I think like that's where we really can get into some fun stuff like the redrafts and all that good stuff, but that'll do it. I'll let you get to your job. You, you kind of do that, that play by play thing. Um, and hopefully you'll get, I don't know if you'll get Cade Horton before the end of this year, unfortunately, but I know you'll get Cade Horton next year. Um, whether you're in triple a or the show, uh, wink, wink. Well, well, let's hope, let's hope either way. Cause I would love to get your thoughts at Cade Horton. But we got top 25 next episode. It's 25 to 11, and then we'll get the top 10 to wrap up. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. I'll probably do an episode tomorrow, or if Jack is available, we'll see, on, on all of the promotions, crazy promotions all over the league, even after we talked about the Padres, guys. But we'll get yep. to that when we get to that. Check out the link in the episode description for Alt, as well as this article. And I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow. 